Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I want to discuss interviewing for pain. So what do I mean by that? Sometimes we worry so much about our children, about how they're doing, about how they're doing socially, about how they're feeling, that we come at them from this place of fear, from this place of trying to figure out how much pain they're in. And in doing so, we actually activate it when they might actually be in an okay space. So how to regulate that and how to help your kids and support them and guide them without interviewing for pain. That's what this episode will focus on. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So for those of you who have kids who are really sensitive, who are quite emotional, who have big feelings, and even for parents where your kids really regulate quite well, um, it is very, very difficult for us to see our children in pain. We feel their pain intensely to the extent that sometimes we add such a layer of it um, that our kids don't want to tell us stuff because they have to deal with their own pain. And then they have to deal with the fact that we're in pain and we're worried and we're going to ask them 50,000 questions about it. So this comes back to a concept that I talk about a lot in my podcasts and in, in my teachings. And that's that we want to parent from a place of love, from this solid foundation, from this place of love, not fear. When we parent from a place of fear, we throw too much energy in, we add our own issues in, uh, and then it becomes, hmm, I want to talk to my mom about this, or I want to talk to my dad about this, but they're going to get that weird look on their face, and they're going to ask me 50,000 questions, and they're going to ask me about it every day, even though I don't want to talk about it, so I'm just not going to tell them. So it's actually really important if you want your children to share with you, if you want them to tell you what's going on, you have to be a good listener. And a good listener means holding space, letting them talk about what they're talking about without injecting your own fear and panic onto the situation. And that can look like two different things. That can look like, well, what do you mean? And what happened? And what did you do? And how do, what did you do first to make that happen? That. But it can also look like an immediate... Um, effort to fix. Well, you just need to do this. And why don't you just do that? And I've told you 50 times to do this. It, it can look you know, like two, both of those things. So I'm going to lead you back to an analogy that I mention often, but I, I just think it's such a good one. Imagine that you're on an airplane and it is a really bumpy, turbulent, scary flight. You are white knuckling it. It is scary. And let's say for the you know sake of argument, the, the captain comes out of the cockpit and he starts wandering down the aisle and asking people, how are you? Like, I know this is kind of bumpy. What do you think? Like we could go 28,000 feet if you want. I could try 30. I could try going around the storm. Let's pause for a second and think about how you're going to feel or how you would feel as a passenger in that situation. Absolutely petrified, like petrified, fly the plane. Why are you asking me? I'm a passenger. We'll say for the sake of argument, cockpit door is open and you can overhear the captain and he's angry and he's yelling, why is this red button flashing? And I don't know why the control tower is not answering me and they don't pay me enough for this job. And, you know, 
let's imagine the captain is freaking out and she's screaming and yelling and she's angry. How are you going to feel as a passenger? You're going to feel terrified. So whenever we parent from a place of fear and not from a place of kind of solid love, we're giving a message to our child that we have no idea what's happening and we're terrified and we want to know all the answers right now and we want to keep focusing on it. So let's, let's use an issue like, I don't know, it could be that your child, um, was picked on a little bit at school. We won't use it like a, a tremendous bullying situation, but just sort of a normal everyday, your child got left out of something or you know, they didn't get invited to something. Um, and we immediately often project our own stuff. So sometimes it's not just our own fears for our child, but it could be our own experiences. Moments where we had been left out, where either currently in our life, or it brings up really painful childhood memories. It could bring up some trauma and then we're immediately flooded with that feeling. It's a very familiar feeling and the limbic part of the brain, the part of the brain that sort of um, is in charge of fight, flight, or freeze, sends us into our own reaction. And we are, we, without even realizing it, we can project that on our child. So let's say our child comes home and, and we know that they just hadn't been invited to something or they've been left out of something and we can't stand it. We're very curious. We want to know if it got better. So what often happens, and this is really important, and we have to be really honest with ourselves about this. Often when we ask these interrogative questions, when we're interviewing for pain, we really want to know that it worked out, that it's fine, everything's okay now, and, that, and, and we're satisfied with that. And what happens often as a parent, if we're being honest with ourselves, that we can't feel better until they feel better. And sometimes we can't let it go until we know that it's been dealt with so that we can put it aside and feel better again. And that's a really important thing to acknowledge and to recognize as a parent. The second thing that we really need to recognize is when we project, when it's more about something that's happened to us, when we may actually be more upset about this than they are. Maybe they're upset about it, but not that upset. And the more we ask about it and the more we question, um, the more they go, oh, maybe this is worse than I thought. Right? So we really want to make sure that we're not injecting our fear into it. So first of all, I wouldn't even ask if they're bouncing around and they seem fine and they look happy, don't bring it up. Don't go, what about that party? Are you okay? Because then it'll flood back. Kids can be very bouncy and very um, uh, plastic and be actually really okay. Um, you know, they're stretchy, they, they're fine. And they've probably forgotten about it. And when you ask them about it in that moment, you're going to bring it flooding back. I would first of all, wait until they say something. I wouldn't ask if they come home and they talk about it a little bit, start in that place where you're not injecting your feel. Well, what do you mean? And well, what happened? And how do you know? And don't interview for pain. Did you have anyone to play with at recess? And what did you do? And we, we, we sort of, um, interview with this agenda that we know it didn't go well, or we're afraid it didn't go well. And we want all this evidence that it either did go well or that it didn't go well. And then we can solve the problem. So really being aware of that, I think is, is incredibly important, but wait, if they do bring it up, stay neutral. So use the mirroring, go back to the calm technique where you're mirroring back exactly the affect that they just gave to you. Um, so if they said, yeah, they were kind of nice to me today, but they didn't really say anything about it. You're going to want to say, well, what do you mean? And how do you know? And did you try to play with them? Did you ask them? Like we, we want to sort of inject our own uh, agenda into it. 
in that moment, you just want to be, you want to say, okay. So they didn't really talk about it much and it didn't seem to be, you know, that big of a deal for them. And how did you feel about that? But here, my affect, it's very neutral, not flat. It's just very calm and very confident. Now what you're doing is you're setting up a state where your child is not feeling your panic, is not feeling your emotion, and they're now able to add how they really feel. Now, this is where you can fail this test. If you jump all over it and panic, they're not going to tell you again, or they're going to shut down and they're going to stop talking. So it's so important to separate these things. So I would suggest a couple of different things. One, if your child is going through something, or they're going through something similar to something you went through as a child, have a conversation in your own head, have some moments in your own head where you go back and you recognize that that's something going on in you and you make a promise to yourself or a vow to yourself, or you imagine, you know, putting it in the parking lot or, you know, I don't know, putting it in a filing cabinet, an imaginary filing cabinet and putting that away so that you're able to separate your stuff from theirs. That's really important. And if this is an ongoing recurring thing for you, there's nothing wrong with getting some support and help yourself. So you work that through so it doesn't get projected onto your kids. Um, and then the second thing is really ground yourself in love. How can I approach my child from a confident place of love? How can I be that pilot on the plane that's confidently flying the plane and doesn't need to know what my passengers are feeling or not feeling? I'm in control of this plane and that's the primary thing for me so that my parent, my passengers feel safe and they feel comfortable. So really lining up in that place of love. Um, I would also recommend going back to episode one and two, uh, really kind of redoing and going over, listen to those multiple times, those episodes on what the calm technique is and how to do it. If you want more practice, if you want to place a really supportive, loving place where you can practice it with other parents, we've got the village, which is fantastic. It's a weekly group. Um, with connected parenting therapists that are there to help you practice the calm technique. Um, we've got our course. We've got the version of the course that's just videos. We've got the version of the course that actually has the coaching calls with me. I'm also active in the Facebook group. Um, get support and knowledge from other parents as well, because this is really, really, really hard. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time on the next Connected Parenting Podcast.